You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Teshuva, repentance, tzedakah, charity, teshuva, tzedakah, tefillah, and prayer. Ma'aviranes rohas, agzera, that remove, annul, the bad decree that might be in place. Those are very powerful words that uh, everyone in the synagogue recites together and in unison, and it really shakes the shul at that moment. Now, if we look for the source of that concept of teshuva, tefillah, tzedakah, mavir, we find the Gemara. And it's the Marsha his commentary on the Gemara that really makes the connection because there is another, there are other sources as well, but the Marsha and others connect that though this declaration to a Gemara Rosh Hashanah. And the Gemara Rosh Hashanah on Tess Zion of Abay 16b uh, says as follows, V'amar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak says, there are four things that can tear the Gazar Dino, the decree, uh, against a person. Elohain, and these are them, Tzedakah, Tzedakah, Shinu Hashem, Bishinu Maisa. Tzedakah, charity. Tzedakah, crying out, refers to prayer. Shino Hashem is changing one's name. Shino Imaisa means changing one's deeds. And uh, the Gemara uh, derives each one of these from different psukim, from different verses um, that we find in the Tanakh. For example, by Tzedakah, it says the Pasuk, Utzedakah Tatzel Mimoves. The Pasuk says that charity can save a person from death. Tzedakah, where do we find the uh, power of prayer to go ahead and save people from Exardin? Because the Pasuk in Tehillim uh, says, Vayitz, Vayitz right? That um, in their distress, they cried out to God, and and he would remove them from their desperate straits. So there you see that the prayer causes God to remove people from their terrible times. Shinui Hashem, changing one's name, we find from Sarah. Uh, her name was uh, Sarai, and it was changed to Sarah. And the Torah says, uh, and after the name change, God blesses her, and I'm going to give to you a son from her. And then Shinui Maisa, uh, changing one's actions, we see from the famous story of Yonah and the city of Nineveh, where the Torah says, and God looked at the actions of the people of Nineveh after Yonah went to them and warned them that they needed to change their actions, otherwise God would destroy the city. And it says, God saw their actions, and that they changed, they returned from their bad ways. And then, God had then um, changed his mind. So if we look at this Gemara, Gemara here puts tzedakah, charity first, tzedakah, tefillah, second, 
Shinoi Hashem, changing the name, comes right in the middle over there. We'll have to deal with that one. And Shinoi Maisa, Shinoi Maisa, says the Marsha, you see from the context of the story of Ninveh, that refers to, to Teshuvah. Because the people of Ninveh, by changing their ways, did a Teshuvah. And so in this list, Teshuvah comes last, not first. So the Python, the author of the prayer in the Machzer, who puts the order of Teshuvah, Tzedakot, Tzedakot, Teshuvah first. Teshuvah, Tzedakot, charity second, and then Tzedakot. So the question that's asked is, Gemara comes first, and the Gemara puts Tzedakot and Tzedakot first, and then Teshuvah at the end. So why does the Gemara put Teshuvah at the end? And then if the Gemara decides that Teshuvah should be after Tzedakah and Tefillah, then why in the Maser is Teshuvah first? So that's the question that we're going to address today. In other words, trying to understand where Teshuvah fits in with our, um, I guess, uh, thinking about change thinking about reversing perhaps any um, evil, bad decree that might be decided. And uh, how do and if we're going to use these tools that our rabbis have given us, um, uh, giving charity, davening, and teshuvah, so then how do we approach them? What should we emphasize first and what should come second? We're getting kind of mixed messages from our Machser versus the Gemara. So I just want to put aside the Shinui Hashem, the idea of changing name first, because um, the Python, the Machser doesn't mention anything about Shinui Hashem, about changing one's name. So the Marsha wants to say that it's his first um, explanation is very interesting. He says that Sarah needed a change of name because from birth she was unable to conceive a child. It had nothing to do with sin, obviously. She was born that way. She was born incapable of conception. And so she needed God to change his fate that he decided for Sarah not to have children, it needed to be a change not based on an Avera, sins that Sarah did, but because God created her that way, and now Sarah wanted God to change something inherent in her that didn't seem connected to any sins. And so Shinu Hashem, in the first approach of the Masha, says, look, changing a name, and what goes along with changing the name in terms of how a person views themselves and, and perhaps uh, thinking about improving their ways and so forth. But Shinu Hashem in this context of the Gemara does change a decree, but it's not a decree based on sin. The other three, which is charity and prayer and Shinu Maisa, have there was a Gezeira Ra, there was a bad decree based on the sins and failures of man. Ninveh, obviously, was going to be destroyed because of their sins. Um, and um, when it comes to Tzedakah, the 
Pasuk is Sadaka Tatsumimamas, saving a person from death. So we see that these were uh, decrees against the person based on uh, their their failures, their sins. And so that's why the Machser left out Shinu Hashem according to the first approach. There's another approach that the Mashah gives in, but I don't, for the purposes of our share, we don't need to go into that. But so we'll put Shinu Hashem aside and we'll just deal with the three that we find in the Machser and the other three that are mentioned in the Gemara. And we're going to deal with the question of order, the order. Charity first in the Gemara, Teshuva last. And in our machzor, teshuva first, tzedakah second, tefillah third. What's going on here? So to understand, we have to look into the concept of teshuva. What is teshuva intending to accomplish and how does it go about accomplishing it? So teshuva is connected with change in a person. And when we talk about change in a person, we have to think about how a person is able to make changes within themselves and in their lives. Change is not easy. It's hard to make a change that's lasting. And if Teshuvah requires that, we have to understand how we go about doing that. There's a interesting mushal that's given by the Simcha Zisel Ziv, the altar from Kelm, great Baal Musser. And he says, when a father sees his son, his young son, uh, liking sweets very much, enjoying candy, as most children do, and the child is eating really a lot of candy, and the, child, and the father wants the son to stop eating candy. So what does the father do to tell, to cause the child to stop eating candy, put the candy down? So he basically comes along and tells the child, that's terrible for you. You're going to have cavities. You're going to have to go to a dentist. Your teeth are going to fall out. It's horrible. Throw down the candy. It's going to be terrible. And the father's rather, rather insistent. The child gets the message from the father, okay, I better put this down. And what happens? The child does put down the, the candy. Well, what happens the next day when the father's not looking? And the child sees candy. Do you think the child's going to now refrain from taking any more candy because of the lecture they just got from the father yesterday? In all likelihood, probably not. The temptation and the desire and the liking of the candy in all likelihood is going to cause the child to go for the candy and have more candy as long as the father's not looking. That's a change that is caused by a fear and when that fear passes the temptation comes back and the old pattern returns. So that's not the goal of Teshuvah where a person is going to go ahead and make a momentary change. But rather, Teshuvah is looking for a way to reach within the person and for the person to then develop the resolve and the determination to stay with the change. 
And we see this idea if we look into the laws of Teshuva. In the Rambam, in Maimonides, he delineates four essential steps or parts of Teshuva. He says in chapter 2, Halacha 2, in laws of Teshuva, he says, Mahi Teshuva. What is Teshuva? So he says, Vuhu Shiazova. That a, per, that a person, that the sinner, leave the sin, leave the actions of sins, remove it from his thinking, from his mind, not to do it. That's called leaving the sin, where a person just stops, leave the sin, and somehow remove thoughts of those sins, thoughts of doing those actions from his thinking. And that's Aziva Sachet, that's the first step that he mentions. Second, the Yigmar Od. And make up in his and make up in his heart, emphasis over here of the Ramam is the heart. And resolve in his heart that he's not going to do it again. This is called Kabbalah Lahaba, taking upon ourselves for the future not to do this again. Kabbalah Lahaba. Ramam in a line afterwards says that the Yoid Olav Yodea Talumos. And that God, the one who knows secrets within man, knows that that resolve that that individual made for the future was so sincere and with such determination that at that moment, a person really genuinely felt that he's not going to return back to that sin. So that's the power of the Kabbalah Lahaba, the taking upon oneself resolution. I guess we call it a resolution, right? Everybody talks about New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. When it comes to Teshuva, the resolution is I am not going to repeat those sins again. That's different than Aziva Sachet. Aziva Sachet is the more uh, practical action-oriented activity of the person and anything that's related to the sin, that a person just stops it, stops. So if, uh, for example, if a, if a person um, uh, goes to a non-kosher restaurant to eat and he wants to do teshuva from that, so aziva sachet would mean, well, stop going to the restaurant. Don't go. That's it. I'm not going to that restaurant again. And I'm going to try to not think about what that restaurant is has to offer. Um, and um, somebody else in here. Uh, so that's my, you know, that's it. I'm not going to go to that restaurant anymore. Is thinking upon ourselves for the future is about, okay, I'm resolving internally in my heart and in my mind not to return to that place and do that sin again. That's 
So that's the Aziva Sachet and Kabbalah Lahaboa. Then the third step that he mentions is Yisnachem al Sha'avar, a person having regret and remorse for having sinned. That's called Charata, regret and remorse. Very, very difficult to really regret and have remorse for things that, let's say, you did against the Torah, but you didn't, you didn't feel any kind of negative consequences from that. So if a person, for example, um, didn't daven in the morning, and um, and now he wants to do tshuva, and says, okay, I'm going to daven in the morning from now on. Does the person really regret not davening in the past? He could make up from now on to improve, but to feel regret when the person doesn't really experience any backlash or negative consequences from his not davening, very, very difficult to experience that. But nonetheless, in a person's work to do a proper teshuva, one has to focus on the loss of uh, that's involved with doing an avera or not doing a mitzvah. So that's three steps, and the fourth steps is vid- the fourth step is vidui, is confession. That's what Yom Kippur is all about. So Yom Kippur really is the vidui, but the vidui comes along comes after the first steps. And in fact, the Ra- the Rambam says in the next halacha. Anybody that says the Bidui, but has not resolved in their heart to stop doing the wrong and to leave the sins that they committed. It's like a person wants to cleanse themselves from a source of tuma, impurity. And the way you do that is by going to a mikvah. But he takes that very source of impurity with him into the mikvah. Obviously, the mikvah is not going to bring about purity in that case. So, in order to do a vidui, which is an expression of the remorse that you feel for what you did wrong, and your resolve and determination to not repeat the sins that you've committed, so then to verbalize that, in a vidui is the final step of teshuva. So that's the Ramam's four steps. But included in these steps is, and this is the point I want to emphasize over here, is aziva sachet, leaving the sin, and kabbalah lahaba, and taking upon ourselves in our hearts and in our minds not to repeat the sin again. Rabbeinu Yona in Share Teshuva only lists three steps. And he basically puts, um, he basically puts Aziva Sachet and Kabbalah Lahaba together in one step. So he says, what is Aziva Sachet? What is leaving a sin? He says, Ya'azov Durachov Haraim, leaving his evil ways, the Yigmar Levavo, and decide with his entire heart, that he won't return again in this way again. So clearly, if we talk about Aziva Sachet, which is the most important step of Teshuvah, because obviously you can't do Teshuvah if you continue to do the wrong that you did, but along with 
stopping the, with the, uh, stopping the sin comes a heartfelt resolution for the future not to repeat the same sin again. So when we talk about tshuva, we're really talking about an avodah a work that is very much in the heart, in the feelings of a person, of how they want to live their life, what direction they want to go in, uh, what do they feel they did wrong, and how do they stop themselves from doing that again. So it's very different here than just the father telling the candy, the, telling the son, you know, stop eating sweets, where the son internally doesn't want to stop. But he's just going to stop because he's afraid of the father. Right? The Chuba is looking for much more. What Chuba is looking for is a person to feel and understand on their own that to continue doing a sin is something that's wrong and that they don't want to do it again and to make some kind of revolution, a sincere resolution to the point where God himself, as the Ramam uses that dramatic language, where God himself could see into the heart of man and say, well, I really see that you're really making up in your heart not to do that again. That's a genuine, true Kabbalah Shabbalev. It's not going to happen with the father screaming at the uh, child, uh, don't do it again. Now, the question is, how does one change in this way? How does one bring about this kind of a change, not just in terms of the action, but about how they feel about the direction they want their life to go in in the future? Now, if you, if you, if you do a search for how does one change the patterns of life that they've lived until that point, one sees that everybody's got a lot of different suggestions, but it's one of the most difficult, challenging uh, parts of human development is where a person lived a life a certain way and all of a sudden wants to make changes in their life and change the, the routine, change the pattern. Changes like that are very, very difficult. So very difficult to do, but I like to suggest that there's two ways are two ways that change does come about um, and even lasting change could come about. Uh, the first I would label as change as a result of fear, different types of fear. But some people make a lasting change based on the fear of consequences. Right? That's one source of uh, of change, motivation to change. I know, for example, um, real-life case where uh, somebody was a chain smoker, smoked a good part of their life, and um, they went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you know, I think you may have cancer as a result of your smoking. We'll do some tests to see what's going on. Thank God the result of those tests were negative and the person didn't have cancer. That person was so shaken to the core as a result of thinking of possibly being stricken by cancer from the smoking that he made up at that moment not to smoke again. That was such a strong, powerful resolution. That was an aziyah sachet. 
a leaving of the sin, and a resolve, a heartfelt resolve. I'm so scared of the consequence of this uh, action, of this lifestyle and what's going on here. I am so deathly afraid of it that I don't want to risk it again. So I'm absolutely going to stop. And that's what fear could bring about. We find this concept in the Torah, actually. I mean, we had in Pasha's Kisavo a few weeks ago, the second tochacha, the second uh, admonition or, or foretelling of terrible, terrible punishments that will befall the Jewish people should they forsake the ways of the Torah. What's the Torah trying to do there? And, they, and the Jewish people are being brought into a bris, a covenant, based on that, on those warnings that the Torah is giving, both for the good, if you are, remain loyal to the Torah, there's going to be wonderful blessings, but if you forsake the Torah, there will be consequences, serious, terrible consequences. The Torah here is trying to instill a yirah shemayim, a fear of heaven, to help people resist the temptation of going astray of the Torah. So there is a place for the idea of yira, a fear, to uh, help a person remain on the proper, safe path in life. Um, And so fear is a way of getting people, if they take it to heart, to want to make long-lasting changes in their life. Shoshana, in a sense, is, a, is an aspect of fear, din, judgment, and people are afraid, and that's why many people do want to do a tshuva on Rosh Hashanah, because of that fear and desire for a better year, a good year. I think this year in particular, with everybody very much concerned about COVID and the consequences both in terms of their health and also in terms of the financial well-being and security and the concern for the spread and even more devastation. So a lot of people are thinking more introspectively and trying to see and hope that this Rosh Hashanah will bring about a gazardin, a more favorable decree for the coming year. And so that's inspiring people, motivating people to do tshuva. So fear is... A, um, a, a factor in causing people to change and to make lasting change, but it doesn't work for everybody. I'll give you two examples. Um, there was um, a diabetic, overweight businessman who I knew many years ago. And this person had a very difficult time being compliant with the kind of foods that he was not supposed to eat. He had a real sweet tooth. It was sad almost because every time I would see him, it would be in the hospital when I would make my rounds in the hospital. And he was a very successful businessman. He had a family. And he always ended up in the hospital because as a diabetic, he would indulge himself with sweets. He says... His sweetness is like chocolate cake. He would love these sweet cakes, but they would do a real job on him because the sugar was out of control to the extent that it would land him in the hospital. 
And, you know, he said to me one time, I, I have to say, I can't stop it. I can't stop eating these foods that really I love. Even though the doctors are warning me and I'm getting all the signals that I really, you know, should stop doing this. But my psychologist's life is not worth living. I can't have my chocolate cake. Well, guess what? Unfortunately, um, his life didn't continue much longer because he basically ate himself into the grave. He could not, uh, even the fear, even the fear of this mortal danger to him could not get him to stop eating his chocolate cake. And I know another case also, someone who had a cardiac condition and loved salty food. His family begged him and tried all types of ways of getting him to, you know, stop salting the food and be happy with salt substitutes. But to no avail, the person insisted, even though he knew it was bad for him. So not, fear doesn't always work for people to get them to be strong enough to change the pattern of what they got used to doing over, over many years. And so therefore we need like a new system, another system. And that other system is referred to in, by our rabbis. And you could find it in um, the Sefer HaChinuch, the Sefer HaChinuch, in explaining mitzvahs to his son when it comes down to the carbon Pesach and he says to his son, you know, don't ask me why the Torah gives us so many mitzvahs about Pesach. Because I want you to know that, and this is our, his words, and this is the key words of the Chinuch, and he mentions this in a couple, of, a couple of places, and that is, Adam nif'al kefi pa'alosav. The person is made to act or is person, I guess, nifal, is affected, influence, according to his actions. Right? And he goes on to say that and that his heart and all his thoughts follow after the actions that he does. And so what the Chinuch here is saying is that if a person wants to make sure that they're thinking and that their feelings are going in the right direction, they need to make sure that they are involved with actions that are going to influence their inner being. Rabbis have an expression, chitzonios mi'irios apnimios, that the outward behavior and actions of a person have an illuminating impact on the internal workings of a person. And so here the Jewish people came out of Egypt and they were idol worshippers and they were exposed to the Egyptian culture and now God's giving them a new religion. So the Chinuch is saying that God says, look, I have to give the Jewish people all these commandments because through these commandments, there's going to be an internal change that's going to take place within them. And the Chinuch says, don't think that this only applies to the generation of Jews that came out of Egypt. This applies for Jews all times, for all times. If a person is going on the, has been going in a bad way and wants to change. So the way to do that is by repeating continuously those actions that are good and proper. And through those actions, the internal 
system of the person is going to change and his feelings and thoughts will also modify themselves according to the actions that the person does. And he says, even if a person is basically a good person, but he's not conscious of the fact of continuously engaging in activity that's good and proper, it could be uplifting and inspiring and purifying, so then it's, you know, a person could slide back. And so if, we, if a person wants to make change, and even if their feelings, their heart, is not yet in, in, uh, in lockstep with their, with their minds about what they want to do, but their goal is to keep doing the actions, the activity that's going to bring about those kind of feelings. And along these lines, the Mikhtam Eliyahu, Eliyahu Dessler says something profound, and he talks about this a couple of times, and he says that a person is either a taker or a giver in life. If you're a person who is a taker, who's looking to only gain from other people, then your view of the world is going to be reflective of a taker, someone who's selfish, someone who's self-centered, someone who only thinks about themselves. And as a result, it's going to take away from your being able to live by the ideals of the Torah. The Torah is based on people being um, selfless, people um, appreciating other people people wanting to give to other people. You want to be a nosin, you want to be a giver. And so the Mikhtam uh, says, in other words, if you want to have a munah, if you want to have even faith, faith in God requires appreciation for everything that God is giving you and doing for you. You can't appreciate what God is doing and providing for you every day in your life if you're only thinking about yourself. If you're thinking about what could you get more for yourself? Because you're so focused on yourself and your ego is so strong and so powerful that it doesn't let you see beyond yourself. And therefore, even if you're going to do mitzvos, it's more about you than about serving God. And so he says, if a person really wants to grow in their connection to God, in their relationship with God, it's almost very similar to the relationship you have with another person. If you want to have a strong, close relationship with another person, you're not going to develop that by being a taker, only by giving to the other person. Then you develop feelings of closeness to that person. And the same thing with Hashem. If you want to become close to God, you need to be a giver, not necessarily to God, but to others. Be a giver, thinking of other people, appreciating what they're doing, seeing their needs, feeling their needs. By doing that, you'll be developing your in, within yourself the proper feelings and thoughts regarding people and, and God. So when we talk about Aziva Sachet, Kabbalah Lahaba, and we want to make those changes, so what we have to really think about is how do we make those changes in a way that will be lasting and real? And so we have to engage in the activities that will develop those feelings within, within us to want to continue in the right way. Now, when we talk about tzedakah, 
tzedakah in the right way is giving of the heart and being mindful of other people. The um, <clears throat> There's a mitzvah of tzedakah in the Torah. And in the mitzvah of tzedakah, it says, you know, tzedakah tatzel mimaves. But there's also a very interesting Gemara that talks about the, uh, you know, the role of poor people in people's lives. So the Gemara in Babavaza says that Trinus Rufus, the Russia, the Roman um, emperor who asked Rabbi Akiva, if your God loves poor people so much, then why doesn't he take care of them? Rabbi Kiva said, well, the reason is because it gives the people who are helping them an opportunity to be saved from Gehenna, saved from very serious punishment. So Simcha Zisel asked the question, says, why specifically with tzedakah? And there's so many mitzvahs that we could do to save ourselves and to gain reward. So he says, because when you give tzedakah, the real way to do tzedakah is by feeling the pain of someone else. Like the Gemara says, ain't tzedakah mishtalemes elifi chesed And tzedakah to be whole and get the full benefit of the tzedakah, it has to be done with an aspect of chesed, of consideration for the other person. As Rashi says, shenosein libo vedaito, that one gives over their heart and their thoughts, the tavoso shaleni ani, for the benefit, of, for the good of the poor person. That's the way tzedakah is supposed to be given. Not just the action, feeling and the, and the thought about how you could really help the person in the way they need to be helped, that's really the full meaning, the full-fledged tzedakah. And the tzedakah that's tatzel mimaves, the Gemara and Shabbos gives some fascinating stories. Um, but I'm going to give you one. And that's uh, uh, the story with Rabbi Akiva's daughter. It, when she was ready to get married, she was ready to get married. Um, a, a, um, I guess a stargazer told Rabbi Akiva that uh, she was destined to die, and uh, she's never going to survive. And she's going to go into her wedding canopy, and a snake will bite her. She's going to die. <laughs> Terrible prediction. Um, she was very worried about this. But what happened was she, uh, on the day that she went into the chuppah, um, she apparently had this ornamental pin in her hair and wanted to put it somewhere safe. So she stuck it into a little crack in a wall. And then in the morning, when she came back to take her pin, she pulled it out of the wall and lo and behold, it was stuck into the eye of a snake. And the snake was dead. She came to her father of Akiva and she said to him, look, look what happened to him. And he said to her, tell me, did you do any kind of mitzvah today? That's the way Rabbi Akiva thinks. That if somebody has somebody merits such a miracle, it has to come because of some zuchus, some merit that the person has. So he asked her, so what mitzvah did you do today? today? What mitzvah did you do that you deserve this? So she said to him that um, yesterday when we were celebrating at the wedding, everybody was having a great time, feasting, dancing, whatever goes on at a wedding. There was a knock on the door 
and nobody heard it because it was so busy. And I went and stood, opened the door, and sure enough, there was a poor person that was there. And um, what I did was, he was hungry, I gave him some charity. I paid attention to his needs, and I gave him charity. Said Rabbi Akiva, from here we see again, tzedakah tatsumimavis. Tzedakah, charity, saves a person from death. So when tzedakah is given from the heart, not because of an obligation, but because you're looking and interested and want to understand. So that is the act of charity. So when we think about the Gemara in, that we started with in Rosh Hashanah that talks about tzedakah, tefillah, and then teshuvah, that Gemara over there is talking about getting to the point where you could do a teshuvah where you're ready to make the change in your life. At Aziva Sachet and Kabbalah Lahabad, leaving the sin and taking upon yourself for the future. Now, a result, and I repeat it again. But it's very difficult to get to that point. So there has to be already in motion some actions in your life that are bringing about change that could help you achieve that. And that's why tzedakah comes first. Because through giving of tzedakah, you become the no-saying, the giver. As the giver, you're changing your whole attitude and feeling about how you see others. As the chinuch points out, that by that repetitive action over and over again of giving tzedakah, of being a no-saying, you now become someone who is very charitable, very giving, very appreciative. You could see God in a whole different light. You could appreciate what life means in a whole different light. You have greater faith in God. It's all based on the Mechtam So that's why the Gemara there, which is talking about being trying to be change, Roa, to, to tear up a, an evil decree, has to start off with tzedakah because it's talking to the average person who wants to make that change. Teshuvah might be too hard for that person at this point to do it in the, with all the steps that are necessary. So let's get something in motion over here that could develop and, and refine within the person, you know, the goodness to want to live their life a certain way. What better place is there to start with tzedakah? And then from tzedakah, you come to tefillah. Tefillah is avodah the work of the heart. And if a person opens them, their hearts up genuinely to God, to save them and to help them. It's a very powerful tool that God gives a human being. You know, and the, the Gemara talks about two different people that are praying, and they're both in the same situation. One is answered, one is not. And the Gemara's answer, why was one answered, why, why and the other wasn't? And the Gemara said, because one had more kavana than the other. Now, sometimes even if a person's life is in danger, but they can't get themselves to stop it with their whole heart. So the Gemara here is talking about tefillah. If you want to annul the terrible decree, tefillah in the proper way with your whole heart brings you closer to God. And you can even in those prayers include prayers to help you come close to God and to do a teshuva. And then the next step is teshuva, haziva sachet, leaving the sin and a resolve for the future because you're already a different person. You're already a person in a different place that you're able to do things that you weren't able to do. 
That's the Gemara in, in Rosh Hashanah. But in our Machzor, think about where we say Teshuvah, Tzedakot, Tzfilah. We say it after Nisana Tokov. Nisana Tokov is perhaps one of the most moving prayers of the whole davening of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Yeah, we talk about the din, the judgment that's taking place in heaven and how the angels themselves are overwhelmed with trepidation and fear over the judgment that's taking place there. And then we go through Rosh Hashanah, Yikosevu, Yom Tzom Kippur, Yikosemu, same one that on Rosh Hashanah it's written and on Yom Kippur it's inscribed who's going to live, who's going to die, who live, who's going to die through plague and who by sword. If a person's taking all of that to heart, they're overwhelmed with a certain sense of a fear of judgment. And so at that point, they're ready for teshuva. That's the teshuva that comes from fear. And so therefore we could begin there to do teshuva right away. Teshuva. And that teshuva will go on to tzedakah and tefillah. So this um, idea of, of doing teshuva is a process. It's not an easy process, but if we uh, go about concentrating on how to implement the idea of azivas achet and kabbalah haba in a meaningful way, and not in every aspect of our life, that's too much, but in important ways in our life that are within reach, so then that we could do a teshuva and change the decree for us, and hopefully for all Kali Yisrael, for the better. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. It was wonderful. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.